We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris Keen. Welcome into the first Vandal Insider podcast of 2024. We haven't had a chance to say it yet. Happy New Year to everyone. And we are trying to start off 2024 with a bang here on the Vandal Insider podcast. We're doing it not only with two guests, we've got three great guests here on today's show. We will start off with none other than Jason Eck. We will get caught up with the head coach of the Vandal football team. We Talked to him last on the post-game show after that loss in the quarterfinals to UAlbany. And we'll get all up to speed of the latest for the Vandal football program with Jason Eck. In addition to that, well, we will talk hoops. And we've got plenty of hoops talked here in this episode. It's an exciting time of year as both the Vandal men and Vandal women are off and rolling. They are busy. We will preview their, their next game against Eastern Washington and talk about how the season has gone as a whole uh, for the Vandal men. One and one in Big Sky play. And they are on the cusp of an exciting matchup with Eastern Washington. It will be a twin build of Vandal women also taken on Eastern Washington. Vandal women have won five straight games, four of them being on the road. And Arthur Marrera, the associate head coach of the Vandal women's basketball team, will join us. So really a great background for him. Spent a lot of years at the University of San Francisco, a part of this brand new staff. And uh, boy, they've had a lot of success in year one. It has been really impressive to see. And to cap it all off, we'll be joined by member of the Vandal football team, Matthias Bertram. He was named to the All-State Good Works team, one of 22 players selected for that honor for their work in the community and their impact they make in the community. And with that, Matthias got to go down to the Sugar Bowl and was honored as part of the Sugar Bowl and got to meet a number of really uh, notable folks. So we'll ask Matthias and get uh, the story on what his trip was like to the Sugar Bowl, representing not only the great work that he does, uh, but Vandal football as well. With that, we'd like to give a big thanks to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. And now chatting with Chris Hammond. Chris, great to see you. I hope you had uh, great holidays. Here we are kind of back in the swing of things. And I know it's an annual tradition for you. When that day comes 
when the Vandals make their way to Frisco and uh, get to compete for a national championship in that title game. No one will know the landscape better than you. You were down in Frisco for the game between South Dakota State and Montana. This has become a tradition for you. Uh, how is that trip down to Frisco for the game? Uh, it was good. The book's almost written, so when we get down there, everybody can purchase it. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, it's it's always fun to get down there. The weather's always hit and miss. This year we got 60 degrees, and it was just beautiful. And it was so fun, especially I believe they set the attendance record this weekend since they've renovated the stadium and taken away some seats at just shy of uh, 20,000. So it was loud. It was ruckus. Both Montana and South Dakota State showed up. But it is just such a fun time to go down there. I, I advise Vandals, if you have the means, if you have the preparation time, tickets go on sale in like August, just pick them up. If the Vandals make it, you'll be happy that you're not paying the five, six, $700 markup and you'll just be paying like a hundred bucks for really good seats. And if the Vandals for some reason don't make it down there next year, it's still just a great time. Dallas is easy to get to. Uh, it's so fun. We ended up being a part of uh, this Alex Lemonade stand game show, I guess is what we call it. And uh, we actually went up against some All-Americans like Matthew Saluka and uh, Efton Chisholm over at Eastern Washington and a few others and uh, ended up winning. We got first place, me and a couple of the guys I was there with. So uh, we had took down some D1 athletes and everything but are you smarter than a fifth grader? Luckily, the, the student athletes were able to uh, win are you smarter than a fifth grader over a bunch of uh, wash-ups like ourselves. That's too funny. And, and I saw you, you, uh, you made a cameo on the broadcast as well. ABC broadcasting the game and uh, you were proudly wearing your Vandal gear, but uh, amongst the sea of Jackrabbit fans, is that right? Yeah, we were kind of in that uh, end zone and we had some Grizz fans in front of us, but otherwise, yeah, everybody around us was uh, uh, South Dakota State fans. We call our little section Rainbow Row because we have people from all over. We had Jacksonville State, we had Eastern Washington, we had North Dakota State, we had Stephen F. Austin, uh, last year Kate Coffey was with us, so, you know, All-American, uh, Vandal Punter, so we get a good little crew of us that are from everywhere, and then, yeah, you're usually in a sea of one of the supporters uh, of the teams there, so usually get a TV broadcast appearance, obviously, for those of you that see me in person, I'm 5'5", five, five. I don't quite have the stature to stand out, uh, but luckily I was standing next to some Gentlemen dressed in a bunny rabbit suit, so I think they uh, picked me up on the broadcast pretty easily this year. But uh, it's always a great time. Ran into Coach Stigelmeyer when I was down there and uh, took a picture with him, sent it to Jason. Uh, nothing but nice things to say about Jason and Kimberly Eck, uh, which is always nice to hear. You know, Not that I thought he would say anything different, but it's cool to see him. And I heard Dennis Erickson was down there as well, supporting his son who's on the Montana staff, but I did not run into uh, – the, my second legendary coach of the day and, and Dennis Erickson, but uh, saw him a few times in Moscow this year. So I guess I, I will continue living without seeing Dennis down in Frisco. That's too funny. It's a, it's, it's, it's really remarkable when you get to places like that, it doesn't take much to, to run into folks. It is a, a hub of uh, a lot of great folks with connections across the college football landscape. That's so fun. And again, I'm keeping our fingers crossed that uh, in the years to come uh, that uh, that the Vandals will get to make the trip down there and uh, not only get a root on whoever's playing, but get a root on the University of Idaho. Well, on that note, uh, no better person to talk to about uh, what is being done to maybe make that happen uh, in the in the future for Vandal football. Jason Eck, here is our conversation, getting all caught up the latest with the head coach of the Vandal football team, Jason Eck. Coach, always a pleasure to catch up. Here we are. It's uh, the start of 2024. First time uh, you and I have had a chance to to sit down here since uh, the end of the season. We chatted with you after that final game of the year, but uh, a lot has happened. Let's start on this. The championship game uh, took place just recently as you and I are, are talking. What did you think of how the title game went between South Dakota State and Montana? Well, it's fun. Uh... You know, it's fun to see uh, you know a team play in the championship game for our, for, I think for our players and our team to see a team that you know we beat last year, a team that we lost too narrowly this year, uh, be there because it tells us uh, we're not there yet, but we're not that far away. Uh, and you know, it was fun for me personally just to see a lot of young men who I had a chance to recruit, had a chance to coach at South Dakota State, get to play in the game. So uh, I, I was definitely uh, an, an eager uh, customer on ESPN or ABC to watch it and. Uh, you know, I, I thought uh, 
South Dakota State showed some vulnerability in the first half and uh, made some errors that I think uh, you know gave Montana a chance, even though they were you know over a two touchdown favorite. And I think uh, Montana just missed the opportunities to capitalize on it the way they needed to. You know they had two uh, possessions where they got real. You know one to the one yard line, the other one inside the five. And if you're going to pull that upset, you need to turn those two possessions into 14 points. They get three. So, you know, they're, they're down seven to three at halftime, but I think you go in at halftime if, if you're South Dakota State and you feel pretty comfortable saying, hey, we played lousy in the first half and we still got the lead. And then, uh, you know, South Dakota State wasn't going to keep playing lousy. They played a lot better in the first half. And um, I was with some coaches uh, Friday night. It was it was fun. At the co- or Saturday night at the coaches convention, I was with four guys uh, who we all worked together at South Dakota State. And uh the D-line coach, Christian Smith, I'll give him his credit. He's at uh, Northwestern now. And he said, uh, he goes, I've seen him play enough. He goes, they ain't scored more than 10 on uh, on South Dakota State's defense. And uh, uh, he was right. They only got three. And uh, what a performance by their defense. I think they only gave up 15 points in four games, which is really an unheard of uh, uh, run. So congratulations to Coach Rogers. I think he had a lot of pressure on him this year because uh, it really was national championship or bust. But they got the job done. and. Uh, you know, they're going to graduate quite a few guys now from that team where hopefully they uh, come back to the radar. Jimmy's really going to have to earn a salary next year. And uh, I think it probably gives a little bit more hope to everybody in FCS. It's going to be a little bit more wide open you know, next year than it was this year. Well, you've been in Idaho now two seasons, two full seasons here in Moscow, but it still was a it was a high percentage of guys for South Dakota State were the, the guys that you were in the trenches with working a, a shoulder to shoulder with, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at their starting lineup, uh, four of those 5-0 linemen, uh, you know, were playing for me in that the last year I was there in 21. The quarterback, you know, played for us in 20, when then he got hurt and missed the whole 21 season. Uh, Isaiah Davis was the uh, one of the two running backs we had in 21. He'll, he'll, I think he's the most likely draft pick off of this year's team. Uh, the two receivers played for us, the Yankee twins, Zach Hines, the big tight end. Yeah, so, I mean, that, those guys have played a lot of football. You know, a lot of those guys, that was their, uh, you know, third national championship game they'd played in. Um, so, you know, those guys had a great career. And, you know, we'll see. College football has changed a lot. Even since I got hired two years ago, I think college football has changed a lot. And, uh, you know, that may go down. You know, they, they, they had a lot of pictures and graphics of showing all the different teams who'd won multiple national titles at the FCS level, going back to Youngstown State and North Dakota State. Obviously, had their run. Now, South Dakota State's done it. Uh, I think App State did it a couple years in a row, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think Georgia Southern did it, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, I don't know if you you may not see that. You might not see a team that goes, uh, you know, and plays in three three out of four national title games anymore, just because of, uh, you know, I think when you do play beyond you, your uh, your players get more exposure, and there's a lot of eyes on those games. And you know, you look at it whether it's. Uh, uh, you know, Albany's quarterback who, you know, played in the semifinals going into the transfer portal. Montana's quarterback has now gone in the portal. Uh, you know, our quarterback in the quarterfinals going in the portal. A lot of the, the real high-level players uh, who play late in the season are having opportunities to come up. It is, uh, it is a different world in that way, and it is changing fast. We'll get into that uh, a little more coming up. I'm curious, when you're watching that game, are you thinking to yourself, obviously, you're, you're breaking it down. You're thinking of the guys that you worked with at South Dakota State, but is part of you thinking – Hey, you're envisioning yourself leading Idaho to to being in that game and to to being on that stage. No question. You know, uh, today was the first day of classes, and uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. And uh, you know, our team meeting the day. I mean, that that's the topic. I mean, we we have a clear goal of what we want to accomplish, and it's being uh, Big Sky champions. And again, if you're a Big Sky champion, you're going to get a high seed in the playoffs this year. The Big Sky champion got the two seed. And uh, then it's getting to Frisco, Texas. And that's clearly, I think, the, the goal and the direction our program's headed. And, uh, you know, I think you have to uh, you have to speak things into existence. I mean, you have to be very clear and know exactly, you know, what our vision is for this team and where we're going for. And then we got to make sure that uh, our behaviors and actions equal, because that's a lofty goal. And uh, you got to make sure our actions and our behaviors are uh, worthy of that goal. And it starts right now. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the message to our team. I mean, there's the next public facing thing that a lot of people are going to see with our team happens in next August. And there's a lot of work that has to be done in the shadows until then, uh, this whole semester, this whole summer, uh, to put ourselves in position so that when people see us outwardly facing and see our, our next uh, you know, regular season game on TV, they see uh, they see the product. But we have a lot of work in that no one's going to see uh, to get to that point. So uh, it is exciting. You know, again, I think it's uh, – 
it's humbling because I think, you know, we still have a way to go, especially you see a team like Albany who beats us and then loses, you know, 59 nothing to, to, to South Dakota State. Uh, but again, I do think that, you know, South Dakota State is probably going to go down as one of the better champions ever. And, um, you know, we got we to keep getting better and then hopefully the field comes the top, you know, lowers a little bit for what FCS play, uh, playoff uh, top teams are right now. It was another outstanding fall. It was such a fun season. The Vandals taking another step forward. But again, the first time we've kind of had an extended sit-down conversation since that last game. We talked on the post-game show, but at that point, it's it's kind of so fresh. As the dust has settled, how do you look back on how the season went for the program? It's it's a uh, it's a challenge at our level at FCS or Division Two, II, Division Three, uh, in all our levels of football. You know the. There's only one team that really ends the season happy. You know, you, you as you visit with some of the coaches who coach uh, at the FBS level at our, at our convention we just had, uh, you know, you can have a lot of good feelings from winning that Pop-Tart Bowl, you know, and feel pretty good about it. Uh, a lot of social media buzz, yeah, at least, if you're yeah. in the Pop-Tart Bowl. You know, there's 40 teams that won bowl games, even if they were crappy bowl games, that end the season with a little optimism and excitement. Uh, in FCS, uh you know, everyone else has a sick feeling on their stomach except the one team that, that won it all. So it's different. And you, you have to take a step back because uh, you know, it's frustrating to lose a game like Albany where, you know, we had the lead for about 55 minutes in that game and then you lose it at the end. And uh, you had an opportunity to be, you know, uh, to win 10 games, which hasn't been done, I think, only twice in school history. So, but when you take a step back, I, I still think it was a step in the right direction, you know, to make it to the quarterfinals in my second year. I, I don't... Uh, I don't think I envisioned that for our team when I first got here. And the credit to our players, credit to our staff uh, for help, helping to, to accomplish that. And now we got to keep building, though. And uh, again, I think we got to stay hungry. We got to, uh, you can't be complacent. You can't be content in this business. It's too competitive. You got to constantly try to uh, get better, constantly still be looking at, even though we've had success, what can we do better? What can we be more efficient at? And how can we grow? And I, I, I certainly think we can coach better. I certainly think we can play better. And, uh, you know, excited for the new challenge of this 24 season. Well, every team in college football is having to deal with the transfer portal. The Vandals are no different with some impact players moving on to new programs. How is it as a coach navigating all this? Well, a couple of things. You know, one is it's just it, it's changed a lot. And it's really the combination of, uh, you know, the transfer portal and immediate eligibility. Because for a long time, you know, if a player from FCS wanted to transfer up to the FBF, they had to sit for a year. And because of that, the, the demand for those were really dampened because, you know, why, why would you bring a guy in on scholarship to have him sit for a year? Uh, and then the name, image, and likeness money just, uh, you know, first I think got approved and allowed like in 21, but it's it's ramped up each year and become a bigger deal. So uh, I, I do think in both ways it's it's drastically different, but I think it's uh, – I think it's good. I think the players for a long time in college football, there's been, uh, you know, a lot of money that's been made with, uh, you know, whether it's uh, coaches making a lot of money and moving up over the years, whether it's, uh, you know, stadiums being uh, packed, especially at the power five level where you know, there's a lot of revenue when Michigan hosts 105,000 people and they, and they are selling out. And, uh, you know, I think you look, you know, know more about it. Like Andy Reid's an outstanding coach. Um, uh, one of the best coaches in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes makes a lot more money than Andy Reid, you know, and really the open economics. And, uh, you know, this is America. You know, this is where uh, uh, it's a capitalistic society. It's not, uh, uh, you know, the Eastern Bloc communists where, you know, everyone, whether you're a doctor or you're a garbage man, you still get three potatoes. You know, it's different. And uh, uh, it's America. Now it's it's come to college football and you're seeing the open market applied. And, and there's a lot of people who are invested, whether you're a fan of uh, – uh, you know, LSU or whether you're a fan of uh, or a booster at, uh, uh, you know, Texas or, or Tennessee or Montana or Idaho or South Dakota State who, who want their school to win and want to be good. And, uh, uh, you know, now the players are getting a little piece of that. So I, I do think it, it fits. I mean, I think the reason, you know, colleges and I wasn't around when they invented colleges. I'm getting pretty old, but uh, they invented colleges so people could, uh, you know, better themselves and have a good career and make some uh you know, make money to support their family. And, uh, you know, now some of our players are getting those opportunities. And, you know, five of our players who are who uh, are leaving, you know, have opportunities where they're going to make six figures. And uh, I think any Idaho grad from undergrad at Idaho would be pretty excited. Uh, you know, if you uh, 
if you've got a history degree from here or economics degree or a business degree, you'd be pretty excited as an Idaho grad if that was your starting salary. So, uh, you know, I'm happy for those guys. Great opportunities. And you, just, you have to embrace change and adapt with it. And uh, that's kind of the process we're learning through. And, uh, you know, I think my job as a head coach is when we have movement and we lose people, whether it be players, and we have a few coaches who get who got great opportunities to make some more money for their family, uh, it's my job to find someone even better to bring in. And uh, uh, we're adding some good people uh, at mid-year. Uh, we're adding some really good coaches. Again, I'm, I'm very excited. Our new defensive coordinator, Dan Jackson, uh, you know, we worked together for four years and he's an excellent coach. You know, he was a guy who I had interest in hire when I first got here and it just didn't work out the timing of where he was. And, uh, you know, even, even after being influential in helping build South Dakota state, uh, up to where they're at is, you know, really the last two years, the premier program at FCS, uh, you know, then, then went on to add, you know, some years in the sec, which I, I think is the best, uh, more competitive college football league in all of college football. So. Uh, Dan's going to be a great addition. We get two more hires that we're very close on that will probably be announced here in the next week. Uh, talked to a lot of people, interviewed people down at our coaches convention we just had, and uh, you know, it's just uh, it's kind of the nature. It's uh, you know, this year we had uh, out of our 110 guys in fall camp, I think we had 57 returners and 53 new players, and it's so new you're kind of figuring out as you go. You know, I kind of thought even maybe this fall that this was going to be an unusual year with that much turnover, but. I think that's just might where it is going forward. I think, you know, and again, it's really more, you know, we got to build the team this year. It's not necessarily building the program where you're going to have guys. We got to have the best team we can put together uh, for the 24 season. And, uh, you know, it just changes things. And, and uh, you know, it's a great, uh, you know, Coach Stig, um, you always tell me, uh, you know, take time to think. You got to have some time to daydream and be creative and think about the best way to handle situations and handle problems. And, uh, certainly, the evolving nature uh, gives you great opportunities. And again, if you can be innovative, uh, you know there's not a lot of books written about how to uh, handle this or how to how to recruit in the transfer portal era or what's the best way. So if you can uh, be on the cutting edge and find some uh, avenues, it can be a great thing. I'll, I'll, so much great information there and exciting to hear about the defensive coordinator hire. I want to get to that here in just a second, but uh, you kind of touched on this, but I just, I'm thinking from a, if you're an Idaho fan perspective and every fan base is going through this and you're just, you're trying to wrap your mind around this, that you're cheering for these guys and you're, you're used to, if they still have eligibility in front of them, that you're used to that being in the uniform that they started in. What would your message be to a, to a Vandal fan on just what the, the, the future might look like? Obviously everyone's gunning for success. And when success happens, you kind of, you kind of forget about maybe how long a guy is, is in a uniform or not, but what would your message be on, Hey, Hey, what the, the new normal might be? Well, I think, you know, remember why most people are rooting for the Vandals because they're the Vandals, you know, and they're rooting for the University of Idaho and they have some connection to this university. And, uh, you know, I, I still think, uh, you know, more than anything, I think most college football fans are rooting for the name on the on the front of the jersey more than the name that's in the back of the jersey. We don't have our names in the back of the jerseys, but, uh, you know, I think that happens uh, more at this level. And, uh, you know, there, there's evolution. You know, pro sports for a long time didn't have free agency. And I think that got challenged in courts and baseball to start. And now that's become a, a growing thing where you have, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who you think of as a Packer all the time, ends his career with, uh, uh, you know, the Jets now or, you know, Brett Favre was the same way. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just evolution, I think. And it's, it's change and uh, you got to adapt with it. But, uh, you know, keep rooting for that team on the front of the jersey. I, I do think, um, you know, n- name, image, and likeness. I, I'm, uh, I'm encouraging our administration to the. I think if you're a Division One school, you have to embrace it. I don't think you can shy away from it. I think it's, it's not, you're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube. It's, it's a way in Division One athletics, and I think it's going to be a, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a, a divider where, where maybe, maybe Division One athletics isn't for every school, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but I, I think, yeah, certainly with you look at us, we're playing Oregon next year. We better embrace it. We're playing the, the top of the level and, and everything that way. So, uh, you know, it's, you got to adjust. You got to root for the name on the front of the jersey. You got to maybe uh, make sure you're listening to Chris King so we can fill you in on all those uh, number five might be different next year. Number one, uh, number uh, four might be different and get the names, but uh, it's still the Vandals. We're going to put out a good product and uh, have an exciting team to watch. And, uh, you know, there'll be some new names every year to cheer for. Well, you mentioned that defensive coordinator hired Dan Jackson. You touched on about how you guys have that shared history at South Dakota State, then for him time in Northern Illinois, and then Vanderbilt most recently. 
what is the skill set? You obviously know him very well. That's a very important job on your staff as the defensive coordinator. What does he bring here uh, in his role at the University of Idaho? I think he has elite uh, people skills. I think he has elite energy. He's uh, outstanding at building connections with people, uh, building uh, bonds, motivating people. And, uh, you know, he really was a tremendous recruiter, probably one of the top recruiters uh, on our staff. You know, again, I went over uh, and watched the Seahawks play um, to see uh, Kay Johnson, who was a receiver we had at South Dakota State. He was now with the Seahawks practice squad. And uh, Dan was able to get him. They had filled up their receiver scholarships. They had recruited him and offered him a scholarship. They filled up. They didn't have any more spots to receivers because they, you know, other guys had taken it. You know, Dan was able to get the guy to come as a walk-on, and then they gave you know you know quickly earned a scholarship. But you know, that, you know that's the kind of elite uh, you know connections you have to make, and just uh, a great energy guy. That a guy that has kind of a magnetic personality. Players love being around, and uh, I think he'll have such a great thing. He's a great teacher as well. I think you know he spent. You know, I learned so much from Stig in six years. I think he was eight years with Coach Stig, and even played with Coach Stig some in college. So he was around Coach Stig even more than I was, and. Uh, a great teacher, and I think he'll be great with the guys in the staff and, you know, coming in and, and getting on the same page uh, with Coach Lose, with Coach Franks, uh, with Coach Bobby Jay, and and uh, really building an outstanding group. I think, uh, you know, I think we, we made a lot of progress and have played very good defense the last two years, but I, I think we can still have growth and keep uh, getting uh, – uh, getting better, and Dan's going to be a big part of that. Well, exciting to know that he is on board. You mentioned those uh, couple of other vacancies on top of uh, Dan taking over as defensive coordinator. I'd have to imagine that the the interest level was high. Did you uh, uh, were you impressed with the, the number of people that uh, got in touch with you that were wanted to be on board? They wanted to come be a part of things here at the University of Idaho. No question. I think uh, if you looked at you know who uh, you know, reached out to me and had interest in these jobs. Uh, compared to even when I got hired a couple of years ago, it was a much higher interest and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, I can think of three offhand of, uh, you know, playoff, you know, level teams and FCS, you know, where guys want to be involved uh, with it. And, uh, you know, guys who are at the lower levels of F- FBS, you know, positions who want to be involved with their staff. So, uh, you know, again, it's, it's been, uh, um, you know, to be, you know, just humbling and encouraging to see that, uh, uh, I think people in the coaching world are, are recognizing the uh, the progress we're making and you know, they want to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, again, I think we have to embrace it too, uh, the development part of our program and, and recruiting. And, you know, last year, you know, we lost one player to the Power Five, Paul Mawala. And, you know, his situation was a little different. You know, he came from Notre Dame, spent one year with us, and now goes, uh, you know, to Georgia Tech and had a nice season for them. Uh, but you know, again, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we made him a power five player. I mean, he came as a power five player and then got healthy, played well, and left. Where uh, the five guys are already who've committed to power five schools, and there might be one more. Uh, you know, those guys were not power five players when they got here, and we helped them uh, get better, help them reach their their dreams, and help develop them closer to their full potential. Uh, which I think is a great credit to our coaching staff and our university and the resources we have, the nutrition we have, the weight room, the uh, staff we have with Coach Heim, and the facilities we have there. Um, and I think that can be a great sell in recruiting as well that, uh, you know, we're going to keep, uh, you know, not just developing, uh, you know, those past guys into power five players, but we'll do it some more. And hopefully some of those guys will love it so much here that, you know, this is the fit for them too. Obviously the quarterback position gets a lot of attention. Giovanni McCoy moving on. You stated during the fall that Jack Lane is the best backup quarterback in the country so and I know that's a that's a strong position group overall when signing day that first signing day came in December the Vandals added to that uh, position group but is it fair as as we chat here in January it's a long time to go I know there'll be a healthy competition but uh, the Jack Lane and we saw him do impressive things against Idaho State each of the last two years that uh, he's the guy that uh, you know the attention is turned to the maybe presumed starter for next year you know the first thing I, I did uh Maybe it was one of the first things I did, but but shortly after, the the, the within an hour of me finding out that uh, uh, Bonnie was going to leave, uh, I called Jack Lane and I told him, "Hey, we believe in you. We're not taking a transfer. <laughs> you know, you're our guy." And I think, uh, you know, to me, that's kind of putting you know our our money where our mouth is. Where when I said that he was the best backup I'd ever been around, and uh, hopefully we're saying that he's the best starter I've been around in a, in a few years. But uh, he played at a really high level won really two really huge games. Uh, and obviously, Idaho State hasn't been a playoff-level team, 
But, uh, you know, if Jack doesn't step up in the 22 season, we don't make the playoffs. If he doesn't step up last year, we certainly don't get a top four seed and get two home games. So he's answered the bell. Very smart. Great understanding of the offense. I think great at operating the offense and helping uh, other players around him be better. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of confidence in uh, Jack Wagner as well. You know, because, again, it's not you, you can't rely just having one quarterback. And uh, just like uh, Jack Lane has done a great job two years in a row coming off the bench, we got to have a, a good backup ready. And we feel good about Jack Wagner uh, that way. And, you know, Jack adds a little bit to uh, you saw him run really well in that Idaho State game. So he's a little different dimension on those other guys. So I think we'll have a good competition. Uh, you know, again, Jack uh, Lane was uh, ahead of Jack Wagner this year, uh, certainly why he played more and started those games. But uh, we'll always be evaluating it. Jack is, is uh, the front runner, Jack Lane. Uh, but we need to get that whole room better and continue to build. But, uh, again, we feel good about our quarterback room. And, again, I think uh, if we didn't, you'd, you'd probably surely see us in the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, we're, we we decided we could uh, hold this hand. If, uh, if it was, was that poker where you hold or you stay or no, stay, blackjack, I stay. We don't need to hit anymore. Now, well, we saw him in that Idaho State game tie the program record for most passing touchdowns in a game. He did it in the first half alone. So uh, the uh, the results we've seen so far from Jack Lane have been awfully impressive. I know you and Luke Schleisner, uh, dating back to when we've had conversations to August of 2022, have praised his football IQ. And uh, that has been something, a consistent theme throughout. And I know the Vandal fans maybe haven't got to see that a ton on the field outside of the Idaho State games. A little bit otherwise, Lamar, Cal Poly, the other games that come to mind. But I know that has been uh, definitely a consistent theme for him. Uh, The transfer portal also helps programs too. And I know the Vandals have potentially had the chance to add from there and maybe still the chance to add from there. Uh, We'll kind of send this off as the last question. Uh, What are things looking like in these coming months? I know always looking to add a great future Vandals. Uh, what's on your plate right now? Yeah, you know we uh, you know we had our first you know team meeting this semester today and had a lot of new players to introduce. I'm not I'm not sure exactly if, what, what I can comment with with the recruiting rules, but we had uh, a number of of mid year scholarship guys who are coming out. We have a few guys who are uh, walking on as well, joining the team, whether they're transferring in, whether they're uh, maybe they were just in school in the fall and didn't join the team, so. Uh, you know, our roster is probably going to be back to 93, 94 guys as we go through this spring semester, and then it'll be back up to 110 uh, for next fall. Uh, you know, player development, that's that's really our number one goal is every man who's on the roster, we got to get them better. And uh, if we do that, then collectively the team is going to improve a lot. Uh, we are still having some recruiting time periods in January where we'll be out on the road. And that'll be a combination of, you know, still looking at some guys we may add for next fall but also getting our, our good jump start on the 25 recruiting class and uh, getting those guys in the radar. And then we've been talking about our plan for getting a lot of those 25 high school graduates on campus, you know, later this spring, most of those will occur once we're into spring ball, uh, late, late March, early April. And uh, you know, we'll have a lot of work with coach Heim, you know, uh, you know, tomorrow morning we're going to meet as a staff a little later because I want our coaches in the weight room, you know, seeing those guys work, encouraging them. Uh, bringing them along. We got to do a great job of getting our staff on the same page. You know, we're going to have at least three new coaches and uh, getting uh, you know, getting that staff chemistry, those bonds, getting on the same page with how we're teaching things is critical. And uh, I think we'll, we'll um, you know, we need to do a really good job with that. But again, I think I have a lot of guys who are have great people skills or great communicators who are smart. And, you know, if you're smart and a great communicator, you really can figure out how to work together and get things done. And then uh, a lot of just you know, you know, skill development. You know, we'll get into you know, coaching the guys, watching some film with them, uh, focusing on the areas they want to grow and improve on. Uh, keep building on their strengths, what they're already good at, and uh, keep trying to improve a lot of the players in the program because I, I do think that's the most important key to our success next year. Is not the transfers we bring in, but it's getting guys who were on the team this past fall better and uh, improving them, and then. And then we'll supplement that with some good transfers, some good young freshmen could help us out, like uh, our six true freshmen who played more than four games this year, and uh, and build the team. You know, get ready to go play uh, Oregon at the end of uh, August, and then uh, Wyoming, and then I uh, get to have our, our two FCS non-conference games against Albany and uh, Abilene. And uh, again, we're we're not unique. The problems we're facing, you know, Albany's uh, great pass rusher who had the sack fumble, uh, Antage, you know. 
he's gone. He's playing at Arkansas next year. Papa Fricker's playing at, at Arkansas. So, uh, again, we're all dealing with the same rules here at, at FCS football, and it's it's not nothing unique uh, to us. And, again, I do think it's a uh, – you have to embrace the new normal. You know, 10 years ago, you'd maybe think, hey, if everyone's transferring out, the school really has problems. I think uh, now it's a it's a positive that uh, I'd much rather be in this situation than be in a situation where nobody wanted our players, nobody wanted our coaches. Uh, this is a better situation to be in for sure. Well, great opportunity for guys, the returners, guys to step up, and of course uh, the the folks that you'll be bringing in. Can't wait! Spring ball will be here before we know it. The Oregon game will be here before we know it. The home opener against U Albany will be here before we know it. The first Big Sky game will be here in a blink of the eye. Uh, Coach, we're always appreciative of the time. Thanks for sitting down and doing this, and uh, looking forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you, man. V's up. Well, the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region. At Inland Orthopedics, our team is your team. Switching from the gridiron to the hardwood, we're excited to sit down with the associate head coach of the University of Idaho women's basketball team, Arthur Marrera. Here is our conversation with Arthur. Well, Arthur, it's a pleasure to chat with you today. Our first time getting to sit down and to visit. Well, welcome to the Plus. I know you've been here for a little bit, but it's your first year as part of the staff here at the University of Idaho. It's been a great run of success for the team, and we'll get to that here coming up. And also, uh, nice to have some games at home after being on the road for a while. But I want to know, how has year one uh, been in Moscow for you so far? It's been a lot of fun. It's different for me to be in a school that has a community surrounding it. Obviously, San Francisco is a big city. A lot of stuff to do. Where I went to college, we didn't have a football team. So this is the first time I'm actually experiencing a community that supports the university. There's people at games. They recognize you on the street. I mean, everybody's support is awesome. It's been a lot of fun uh, adjusting to the weather, but everything else has been good. Well, we'll get to your background a little bit, but you're from Brazil originally. And before we hit record on this, you were kind of telling me that, hey, uh, you know, today is a day here on the Palouse where you're having to scrape some ice. You're having right. to, to shove a little bit of a walkway to get to your car from your hometown in Brazil. You were saying in the winter, it's in the 70s. So this is a much different winter experience for you. Yes, absolutely. The coldest I've ever been at home was probably on the really bad winter, maybe 60, 62, uh, yeah, San Francisco is the the coldest town I've ever lived in up to this point. So it's been a fun experience for me. Well, you're taking that next step forward here yeah, uh, in Moscow now. So uh, prior to coming to the University of Idaho, uh, you were on the staff for the University of San Francisco from 2016 up until last season. How did things come together for you to join uh, Carrie Amy and the coaching staff that she put together here at Idaho? Yeah, so actually Drew and I go way back. He used to coach at the University of Portland. So we've been friends for a while. Drew is from California. I went to high school out in Sacramento. And I met Devin recruiting probably about five or six years ago. So, you know, we kind of stayed in touch, kept up with each other's teams. And I met Carrie through Devin, also recruiting. And we just always had that connection. You know, we we were at similar stages in our careers when we met. They were trying to rebuild the Carney team. We we're trying to rebuild the USF. So we shared a lot of information, a lot of tips, and we just became really good friends since then when she got the job, and that was a no-brainer for me. So when we had Carrie Amy on before the season started, uh, we were talking about the coaching staff, and she mentioned how you and Devin met, and she said it was at a junior college tournament yeah. in Kansas, so that's where the seed gets planted and ultimately comes with uh, you joining the staff here at the University of Idaho. You get that call from her, and uh, I'm sure you're probably talking to Devin as well, and they say, hey, we got the job at Idaho. Come join us. What's going through your mind at that point? At first, it was a little interesting because I'd never been to, never lived in Idaho. I've been to Moscow once. We actually played against Idaho a few years ago. But I've always, we've always talked about it. And I love her vision for basketball, how she ran her program at Kearney. She wanted to do something similar here at Idaho. So it's, I was really excited. You know, the obviously I had to get to know a little bit of the town and what the job entitles, but. I was really excited for the opportunity to work with her, work with Devin, work with Drew. It's all people I've known for at least five or six years. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard of a decision. <laughs> well, it seems like that instant chemistry with the coaching staff has translated over to the program as a whole and the success that the team has had right away. As you and I sit here today, the team nine and five on the cusp of 
hosting Eastern Washington coming up this weekend. 2-0 in conference play on a five-game winning streak. So uh, a lot that has really been impressive when it's the first year of a coaching staff. And and with that, in uh, uh, just shoot, college basketball, these days, college sports, there can be a turnover from year to year. So to have this and year one with a new coaching staff has been awfully impressive. Uh, I know at the University of San Francisco, you really kind of spearheaded the international recruiting efforts there. We talked about how you were from Brazil originally. Uh, what are the keys to successfully international recruiting uh, for the Vandals? We've seen that a little bit already. I'm sure uh, if there are great players out there, wherever they are from across the globe, you want them to come to Moscow. What are the keys to that? I think it's similar to recruiting the U.S. Relationship is a big piece of it. That's what we proud our program in. That's what Kerry wants to build with the recruits and the players. With international kids, I think it's even more important because they're so far from home. You know, they don't have a so a lot of times with the time difference, it's hard to call family after practice or after a game or if something goes wrong. So when they're here in the U.S., all they have is their staff, the coaching staff, their teammates. So I think that relationship piece is even more important for the international recruiting. And me being a former international student, I can relate really easily to them, both to the student athletes and to the parents. I feel like the parents feel a little safer when they're talking to me and I can kind of explain the process without you know, sometimes when uh, you're talking to a coaching staff member from other institutions and they ask immigration question or they ask something about their international side of moving to the U.S., their answer is always, oh, let me check with our international student service advisor or something. I think being able to answer those questions right away because I went through it myself, it gives them a sense of security for the parents. And I can also relate to the student athletes because I did go through that a few a decade ago or so. Well, it does seem like a, definitely a great selling point, and it makes a lot of sense. And I know just Denmark, Rwanda, Australia, we've we've already seen that. Uh, for women's basketball across the globe, are there certain hotspots, or is it uh, it's anywhere that you can find outstanding players that will come to the U.S. and thrive playing college basketball? Women's basketball is getting huge now. When I first started recruiting internationally, there would be hotspots. Eastern Europe was really good. Australia has always been really good. But back in the day, countries like France, Spain, who now have a lot of athletes in college, they wouldn't really have that desire to come play college basketball. Now that changed. I think with the NCAA women's basketball getting more popular, the tournament was watched everywhere. Final Four is broadcast you know, globally. All of that is making the game expand. And now it's, I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere and find talent that can play Division One basketball. That makes a lot of sense. So the Vandals have had that a little bit. I know just off the top of my head, some some really strong players from Australia, maybe in the last decade or so. But uh, a great knowing that uh, the 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 net that is being cast to find uh, the future great Vandals is far and wide. And in addition to your success on the staff at the University of San Francisco, uh, also recently spending time as an assistant coach for the Brazilian Basketball Foundation, the U19 national team. What was that experience like? Oh, he was awesome. I mean the representing your country at any stage i think it's it's a dream you know in the u.s where you guys are very patriotic as well so i think you can relate to that i mean it was my first it's always been a dream of mine one of my goals is to in the future coach in the olympics so get a little bit of taste of that he was awesome uh, it's a team that we put together you know players from everywhere play at different clubs you have about a month to prepare and play in the world cup against the other top i think it was we finished 15 the other top 18 teams in the world. It's a pretty cool experience. It was it's definitely a prideful moment when you put that shirt on, you hear the national anthem. There's not many better feelings than that. And you are well-traveled considering uh, just uh, being from Brazil, your time at the University of San Francisco, now here at Idaho. But uh, where did the World Cup, where did that take you? Uh, just It was this last summer, correct? Yeah, so we had training camp in Brazil for a month. Then we played a couple exhibition games and exhibition tournament in France. Uh, in Nice. And then the World Cup itself took place in Madrid, in Spain. So we were there for two weeks. That's fantastic. And for you, I'm sure uh, being able to go back home for a little bit had to be a big plus. How often? There's uh, there's no direct flights from Moscow back to no, Brazil. How, how often <laughs> do you get to go back home? I try to, now that my parents are getting a little older, I try to go every year. But uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, because usually during the summer, we're all recruiting. There's all the AU tournaments, the overseas tournaments. So you, it was really nice to go back home for a little bit and see everybody. And when were you bit by the basketball bug? Is it is it huge in Brazil? Is it You've talked about it's a growing sport. Is it growing rapidly? Uh, what's it like? Is it something that you were around a lot growing up? Uh, how was it for you? 
Yeah. So when I was growing up, it was a really big deal in Brazil because we had a lot of players in the NBA at the time. Now it kind of went down a little bit. You know, Brazilian people kind of like to cheer for athletes that perform at a high level. So whatever sport we get, you know, good athletes in, that's what's popular. Surfing is really popular right now. Volleyball has always been big and obviously soccer. But when I grew up, we had seven or eight players in the NBA. So you had basketball on TV. I started playing really young. First time, I, I think my first organized basketball team, I was eight or nine years old. So it's been around for a while. And then at what point did the light switch kind of go off and be like, okay, well, well, coaching might be my path. So I think when I got to high school, that was always my goal. Obviously, you know, I think men's basketball players can relate. We always have a, a lot of confidence in ourselves. So I thought I was going to play professionally, do all these great things. And then when I was done, I'll get the opportunity to coach. But that ended up coming a little sooner for me than I expected when I was in high school. <laughs> well, all that does is it puts you on a more advanced track for right. your coaching career, right? Absolutely. Who are those top guys? Who are, who are the Brazilian basketball heroes? So Oscar Schmidt is the most popular one. He's the all-time leading scorer in FIBA out of you know every country. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. One of the greatest shooters ever. Now you got Steph Curry and all those guys. And Kobe Bryant used to be a huge Oscar Schmidt fan because his dad played with Oscar in Italy. So he's by far the biggest name. And then more recently, we had Nene that played in the league. Leandro Barboza was six men of the year. Anderson Varejao played at LeBron. So those guys are probably the most recent ones that were around when I was growing up. I love it. I love it. Well, for the team here, as we mentioned, a 9-5 and record, 2-0 and in conference play, both of those wins coming on the road, a five-game winning streak as we're talking right now. These are really impressive results. What, in your mind, has allowed the team, you know, first-year coaching staff, I know you maybe don't have your full fingerprints on everything yet, uh, to have this kind of success to this point? I think it's just the buy-in from the players. Returners, transfers, we have a lot of new people, a lot of new players coming in, a lot of returners having to play roles they're not used to, you know, bigger roles and stuff like that. But from day one, they were excited about it. They bought in. Uh, they they saw our vision. They really liked it, especially, you know, Coach Amy, we talked about relationships. It's huge for her. So I, I truly believe you can get the most out of your team when you can connect with them. So we have people coming in in the office every day. I mean, Coach Amy has a signing sheet at her door that they have to stop by at least once a day. So it's actually hard for me sometimes as an assistant that I'm trying to talk to Coach and there's always players in her office. So, but it's a really good thing. I think that's been a huge key to our success is the buy-in that those relationships provided us with. Well, those are the good problems to have. People yeah. normally don't complain about over-communication. Right. The lack of right. communication, uh, that can be a problem. Four straight on the road, the team has really had to rack up some flyer miles. That's not to mention a trip yeah. to Hawaii. Uh, I imagine that maybe kind of uh, speeds up the, the chemistry building process when the team goes out on the road and has these kind of experiences. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, on the road, there's nothing else to do besides taking care of business and being together. So I think those... Those experiences are really good for us. And you can see we keep getting better. You know, the more we get to know each other, the more we get used to playing with each other, developing chemistry, the better we get. I think those road experiences, although I love playing ICCU and love being at home, I think they've been crucial for our success. It couldn't have hurt when you got that phone call and you were thinking in your mind, okay, the University of Idaho, and you said you, you came here once with the University of San Francisco. Where was that game at that you played? It was a Memorial Gym. So at Mem Gym, yep. and then you're probably starting to Google, be like, okay, well, I've been to the University of Idaho. Uh, did they get a new arena? And you're looking at the ICCU arena. Uh, what went through your mind when you did see what the new facility looked like? Oh, it's completely different. Because when we played at Mem Gym, they still had all those lines they had volleyball in there, a bunch of stuff going on. It, it was completely different. And then I, I got to come here and meet with Coach Amy and the staff, and I saw the, the arena. It's beautiful. I think it's the best mid-major arena in the country. It is. What a, a great just a showpiece and a fantastic thing uh, here for the University of Idaho campus and, of course, for athletics and for the basketball programs as well. Well, after years and years in the West Coast Conference, I know we're only two games into Big Sky play so far, but I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the Big Sky Conference? It's a really good league, really competitive. I think the level of coaching really impressed me. I mean, it's you know, at the West Coast Conference, we have a lot of good players and good coaches, but you always have Gonzaga kind of running the table. It's the usual suspects, and I feel like the Big Sky, every year somebody different steps up. You know, last year, Sac State won for the first time ever, and the U's been really good the last couple of years. 
Montana State used to dominate the league. Idaho's won a few championships. I think it's one of the most competitive leagues, if not the most competitive mid-major conference in the country. And it seems like uh, that opportunity is there here at the University of Idaho to be right back in that discussion yep. in the not-too-distant future, uh, right at the top of the conference. Well, for you here in Moscow, I know it's it's mostly about work. This uh, You get into the coaching profession, it's not one that allows you a ton of extra time, right. but uh, what has been uh, your favorite things to do kind of away from the court, away from work here on the Palouse? I've actually got to go to Coeur d'Alene a few weeks ago for the first time. Beautiful place. They kept telling me I need to come back during the summer because it's even nicer. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm just exploring it a little bit. Obviously, since we started playing, I haven't had that much time. But there's a lot of beautiful places around, a lot of nature. Um, I haven't always been a, a big outdoors person, but I'm developing that side out here. That's for sure. Well, it is a gorgeous state, and especially when you were hired, and I know you were busy with the Brazilian national team right. that didn't afford you a lot of time in the summer, and I think you're going to be uh, in store for a great summer uh, coming up. Arthur, it's been fantastic to chat with you and getting to visit with you here today. Thanks so much for the time. Looking forward to uh, that doubleheader on Saturday with both programs taken on Eastern Washington and continued best of success the rest of this year. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Well, make sure to get out and support both Vandal Hoops programs, but it's a busy stretch at home for the Vandal women. We talked about that doubleheader that is uh, coming up, depending on uh, when you get a chance to listen to it. Both the men and the women hosting Eastern Washington on January 13th, January 18th, that Thursday night, blackout at the ICCU Arena, the Vandal women hosting Idaho State, and then hosting Weber State on Saturday, January 20th. So some great opportunities to support the Vandal women women's basketball team with their really strong start to the year. Well, now switching gears back to football. Matthias Bertram, not only an impact player on the field for the Vandals, but recognized for his great work in the community and what he does away from the field. Got to go down to the Sugar Bowl, down to New Orleans and be recognized. Here is our chat with Matthias on what that experience was like, who he got to meet down in New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl. Well, Matthias, uh, always fun to get a chance to catch up with you, but uh, we've got a really neat experience to hear all about from you uh, for folks who, who didn't catch it uh, during the fall. It was announced that uh, you were named the All-State Good Works Team. All-State combines with the American Football Coaches Association to recognize 22 student athletes for football from across all of college football for outstanding community impact by naming them to the team. You were selected as one of the 22. You were the first Vandal to earn the honor, the only Big Sky athlete on the list. So we chatted about that a little bit when we had you on the coaches show. But just recently, you got to go down to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl to be recognized as part of it. What was that experience like? Yeah, Chris, it, it was amazing. Um, I'm just so grateful to have been selected to the team. Um, you know, we all state paid for the, the whole trip, uh, flew us out. I was able to take my oldest brother, Joey. So we got to experience it together. Uh, they put us up in the nicest hotel in new Orleans, uh, in the Roosevelt hotel that, you know, they fed us, met a bunch of amazing people from all state. Uh, Tim Tebow was there and, uh, Sam Ocho who played 10 years in the league. He's an ESPN analyst now. And, uh, they were both former members of the good works team. Um, they got to talk to us, share their experience. And uh, overall, it was it was just incredible. They they put us up in the um, in the suite on the 50 yard line, so best seats in the house. Uh, got to hang out uh, towards the end of the second quarter on the field, and then of course we got honored at halftime, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, it, it was just a once in a lifetime experience, um, and I, I'm just so blessed to have been able to to do it. That's so much fun to hear when you're honored on the field at halftime. That's an electric environment. What was it feeling like? What was the energy like in that building to be able to go through that? Oh, it was crazy. Um, it's kind of a funny story because we actually had an OU guy on the team. Uh, his name's Ethan Downs. And uh, of course, Texas was was playing. And it's probably about 60% Texans, Texas fans. And then UW showed up too. Um, and so as soon as we ran out there, he actually threw the horns down. It kind of ignited the crowd. It, it was awesome to see. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to, you know, run out there in front of that crowd and, uh, um, and then just the guys that, that I was, that were on the team with me, it, you know, it's like I was among royalty. These guys do some amazing stuff uh, in their communities. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Well, so wonderful to have you representing the University of Idaho as part of that. 
Tim Tebow, Sam Ocho, uh, you're not only, I, I saw your social media post that you, you, know, you took a picture with those guys. You got to spend some time with them. What were your conversations like with those two? Uh, they were great. Uh, we got to, we did a community event with a group called, a uh, nonprofit called Son of a Saint, uh, which is started by a guy who his dad played for the Saints and his dad actually died when he was pretty young. Um, so he started a organization that helps uh, boys without father figures in New Orleans. So we spent a whole, spent about five hours at a, at a football camp with these children and Tebow and Acho were there um, and just got to, you know, get in the community in New Orleans. And those guys are amazing, just incredible influences. Um, they're both, you know, just uh, outspoken about their faith, which is, which is something that I like admire and look up to. Uh, and yeah, it, it was, it was really cool just to, to see them. Um, they, they were part, you know, members of the Good Works team and just uh, very inspiring great role models. Well, the game itself didn't really disappoint. That matchup that you were there for at the Sugar Bowl, Texas and the University of Washington, looked like the Huskies kind of had that game uh, under wraps and then Texas almost made a remarkable comeback. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, I was rooting for the Huskies just because, you know, uh, Pacific Northwest and a bunch of a bunch of the Huskies fans actually knew the Vandals and gave me a couple of go Vandals. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, but it was cool to see Penix. He, I don't think he missed a throw the whole game. And, uh, you know, Texas made it close for sure at the end. Um, so, yeah, it was a great game. And it was cool to see, you know, like I said, there were more Texas fans there, but, man, you could hear the Huskies for sure. And I'm trying to think of your timing. I think you would have missed him just by that one year from when you were at Idaho, but the Vandals actually faced Michael Penix when he was in Indiana, but you caught uh, Indiana the second year when the Vandals went back-to-back years there to Bloomington. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so it's it's been cool to see his journey, too. He's, you know, he's been through a lot with his injuries and stuff, but it's awesome to see him succeeding. Well, you were named to the All-State Good Works team because of your fantastic community work. Again, this is a conversation we had on the Coaches Show, but for people who aren't familiar with it, Peter's Paycheck, a nonprofit that you work on uh, with your mother. Can you let folks know about uh, uh, what exactly that is and uh, all this great work that you're doing away from the field? Yeah, absolutely. So Peter's Paycheck, the mission is to show the true value of special needs uh, workers in the for-profit setting. Um, and it's been going well. We've received a number of donations um, and actually some some pretty big certifications. My brother uh, actually quit his job. My oldest brother, Joe, moved back down to Albuquerque, and now he's helping out with that. So it, it's been amazing um, just to see, you know, the the growth that it's, it's shown in the last six months or so. Uh, they have some pretty exciting meetings uh, set up with some, some big groups here in the next few uh, few months. And uh, yeah, we my family has worked with people with special needs for 40 years, and we know that the impact that they can make and just how like genuinely happy and joyful people they are. And we're trying to, to show the rest of the world um, just how amazing they can be. Well, you're doing fantastic work with that, and it's so outstanding to see you get recognized uh, for all the great work that you're doing. And uh, before I let you loose here, I know you're busy, you're working out, and uh, you know spring ball will be here before we know it. Uh, you're going into your redshirt senior year coming up in the fall, and uh, uh, boy, it's exciting to think about that uh, that will be here in a blink of the eye. But uh, uh, gearing up for next year, what's it like kind of turning the page on what was another kind of record-setting, outstanding season, but uh, getting ready for what will be uh, your last Last year of eligibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, Kochek made a point, kind of hit hard. He said, this team has less than a year left, you know, if we make it all the way. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to try to make the best of it. I have, you know, this is it for me with college football. Um, and, you know, we, we lost some guys, but I'm really excited for what we, uh, you know, what we have in store. Uh, we just hired a great defensive coordinator. Um, and and I, I know we're in good hands with Kochek. And uh, we're just continuing to try to, to build a, a stronger culture, um, it's pretty exciting. You know, we we don't we're not working out today, but I went down there and we, you know, there's ten guys in there getting that extra work in, um, and so yeah, it's um, I'm really excited for the future. Can't wait, uh, Matthias. Thanks so much for the time. So neat to see the pictures you posted on social media, and for you to be able to have that experience. Congrats again on that wonderful recognition, and uh, I will be seeing you out there in the dome for spring ball before we know it. Yeah, no doubt. Appreciate you, Chris. 
Well, a big thanks to Matthias Bertram. Not only the Vandals having a ton of success uh, on the field, but uh, so great to see someone like Matthias, who is uh, busy and doing fantastic work off the field, be recognized for his community involvement and fun to hear his stories about uh, going down and that experience at the Sugar Bowl. Well, here we are uh, rejoined by Chris Hammond. With that, we'll remind you today's Vandal Insider podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not Karen for the Vandals is team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. Up next for Vandal Hoops, we've got that doubleheader. Both teams hosting Eastern Washington. The women getting started at 1 o'clock Pacific time. The men clashing with the Eagles at 4 o'clock Pacific time. Now, when folks listen to this game, uh, maybe it's a preview of this game. Uh, maybe that game has already come and gone by the time you get a chance to listen into this episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast. But, Chris, uh, uh, we're at the point of the season. Non-conference play now in the rearview mirror. Uh, we are off and going for Big Sky Action. How much fun have you had following along both the men and the women and what they've been able to do to this point. It, it's been so fun to see how these two brand new head coaches um, with head coaching experience, obviously both of them, but how much the teams have just improved from game one on both sides of the ball. I mean, the women have, I believe I saw a graphic put out on their Twitter account, the highest net ranking in conference or in program history. Uh, it's like their best conference start in a long time. Uh, then you look at the men's side too. I mean, that game against Sac State was awesome. And then you, you know, then the media team puts out this amazing video recap of it and X in the locker room giving Cribble his congrats. And uh, it's just been so cool to watch. And even the two losses for the men versus Portland State and St. Thomas were uh, pretty close losses. I know the St. Thomas one kind of got away there at the end, but they were, you could watch that game competitively for almost the. In, majority of it so it's been fun to watch it's been fun to track we got the double header against two i mean arguably eastern's men and women's team are probably the two best teams in the big sky conference right now i mean i've been telling my people at eastern i think the women's teams are set up to be the matchup uh, depending on the tournament seating in boise come march i think on the women's side we might be looking at an early title game opportunity here so that one on its own is going to be great to watch and then on the men's side i mean I think we stack up well against Eastern. I mean, it's going to be not predicting a win or anything, but uh, I mean, it's going to be a fun one. I love this doubleheader weekend. I'm trying to make it up there myself personally, but uh, we just got about nine inches of snow today and it's not supposed to stop uh, anytime soon. And, you know, I love highway 95, but I've seen a lot of it the last uh, 60 days. So I I might be passing on this one, but uh, for our Southern Idaho Vandals, we, Next week when we're talking to you, we'll be on a road trip, the men's team at least, to Idaho State and Weaver. So uh, maybe skip Eastern and hit those. But it's just fun to be in conference play. We've got a really fun slate coming up, like I said, with these next three games. We've had a fun start to the season and uh, ended up drawing the Summit League Challenge 1-1. It's, just been, uh, it's fun to be excited about hoops, both sides of them again. Such a great job by both new coaching staffs to have the teams where they are at. Uh, for the Vandal women, I mean, five straight wins. The last four have been on the road. You start 2-0 and in conference play, and you get a road sweep. And they have been road warriors, and yet they have gone on the road and have had that incredible success. And uh, certainly doesn't get easy. Eastern Washington on the women's side, they are 12-3 and coming into that game. Uh, so it's going to be a formidable foe. The uh, coaches in the preseason poll picked Eastern Washington as the preseason favorite on the women's side. And uh, for the Vandal men taking on Eastern Washington, they had such a hard non-conference schedule i mean you look at their schedule you wince it's power five opponent after power five opponent very difficult uh for eastern washington on the men's side but uh, certainly been strong to start conference play and what they were able to do in the big sky summit league challenge and uh weaver state kind of it still feels like they're the team with the uh target on their back on the men's side and uh it will be here soon when uh, the vandal men will head down to ogden as you mentioned and get a take on weaver state dylan jones uh you can almost lock it in every week he is the big sky player of the week he is the person who has been getting that honor uh time after time and he certainly is the preseason mvp for a reason so uh so much exciting going on here for vandal hoops and as you mentioned that is i'm glad you brought that up 
Mandelman will be down there in Pocatello and then in Ogden coming up uh, pretty darn soon. So some opportunities. I love making those trips because there are always Vandal fans that uh, that turn out and uh, uh, getting a win at both would be great, but be nice to go down to there, especially in Pocatello and get a win over Idaho State. And uh, as we kind of transition out of hoops, one more football thought here, Chris. Is uh, as we talk here today, Hayden Hatton getting ready to uh, take part in the Hula Bowl, which is another great honor for Hayden Hatton. Uh, Hayden, you know, I think only time, uh, as time goes on, we'll appreciate more and more the fantastic Vandal career he had. And not to say that uh, his accomplishments and his contributions aren't appreciated now, but I think just more and more over time, it will be looked at uh, what a fantastic career he had. So he's down in Orlando getting ready to take part in the Hula Bowl. Uh, You can have it a full day of Vandal action if you'd like. So 1 o'clock Pacific time is when the women will play Eastern Washington at the ICCU Arena. 4 o'clock Pacific time is when the men will clash with Eastern Washington. But at 9 a.m. Pacific time you can tune in to cbs sports network and watch the hula bowl and watch hayden hatton so excited to see uh what he can do as he is off pursuing his uh, nfl dreams and everyone uh so supportive of him and excited to see how uh, everything shakes out for him between now and uh and april yeah agreed i mean saturday is going to be a fantastic day to sit on your couch i'm just can't believe hogan hatton was snubbed of his hula bowl appearance at long snapper but you know I guess we'll live with just one hat in the hula bowl for now. I'm excited to see both those guys pursue their NFL careers. Um, it's it's going to be fun. And, I mean, one more chance to watch Hayden Hatton tear up a college secondary is worth the price of admission, which for most people is, is free because I don't think anyone went down to Orlando. Well, all you have to do is CBS Sports Network, uh, bring exactly. the game up and, and watch it and uh, root on Hayden to see what he is able to do. So, so much going on and a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, we've got 25 episodes of the Vandal Insider podcast that we are slated to do. This is episode number 18. So during the fall, there's so much going on, uh, doing them weekly. Uh, now kind of spacing the rest of those out uh, between now and the end of spring football. So we got lots of hoops to talk. Uh, we're excited to discuss uh, what's happening in the rest of this basketball season. But also, I know uh, when we chatted with Jason Eck, uh, uh, those new hires kind of coming in on the staff. So some uh, new additions there, uh, planning to at least sit down and talk with the new defensive coordinator here on the Vandal Insider podcast at some point when we're able to get that opportunity and then shoot spring football will be here and then we'll be talking spring football as uh We'll be off and going with uh, getting things geared up for the fall of 2024 uh, right around the corner. So, Chris, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for the time. And uh, whether or not we see you for the Eastern Games, uh, that will be TBD, but we'll be uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you, Chris. Happy New Year, everybody. Again, one more big thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. It's the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon. V's up. This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan's source for all things Idaho athletics. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.